walked into a dentist office and uh, I could tell that the environment was sort of toxic in there. And guess what? I didn't want a toxic environment. I didn't want to ex expose my oral health to a toxic environment, if you will, even if it was just personalities. So I walked out. It's time for Company Profiles with your host, Paul Chase. Good morning. It's Good company, morning. It's Company Profiles with, I'm your host, Paul Chase. And this morning I have Greg Lasakovitz with GDL Insight. Greg, did I get the name right? You're very close. You're very close. I'll, I'll give you an A for effort. Greg Lazakovitz. Thanks. Lazakovitz. My apologies. <laughs> no worries. So, Greg, you are head of a company called GDL Insights. Tell me about GDL Insights. Yeah, so GDL Insight, uh, I like to say that we train teams uh, to work together so they can accomplish more than they ever imagined. And for me, what that looks like is I work with uh, executive leaders and coaching, even managers and coaching. I do team trainings. So how do teams work together better? I do conflict resolution kinds of work. Uh, and I also do keynote speaking. So I love to get my message far and wide and share how people can be their absolute best. That's really what floats my boat. Sounds like a marriage counselor, but... <laughs> Well, so, well, some of us spend more time at work than we do in marriages, so it's fair enough. <laughs> I've been in companies like that, yes. It's Especially with my wife working and me working. Yeah, we saw each other about an hour in the morning, an hour or so at night, and that was about mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's very real. So how did you get into coaching? I mean, you woke up one day at the ripe old age of 16 and said, hey, I want to be a <laughs> company consultant. Yeah, yeah, good question. So uh, I had been in the in the kind of in the private sector and in the public sector for about 25 years. And I had seen uh, some organizations that had really good cultures. And I had seen and worked in some organizations that had really bad cultures. And I started to think, I wonder what it would look like if I were able to go into a career where I can have uh, a lot of impact and spread that impact around. So in any one organization that you work with, you, you sort of get to a point sometimes where, depending on the size of the organization, you might kind of bump into that ceiling. And I felt like I was bumping into that ceiling. And so I thought, you know what, let's go into coaching, let's go into consulting. And that way I can spread sort of that impact and and uh, that, I hope, wisdom far and wide on the things I've learned in my career up to this point. So you mentioned a good company culture, a bad company culture, and we hear a lot about that. Yeah. How do you define, what is company culture? How do you define that? Yeah, yeah, great question. So every company... Every organization has a culture, whether they want to admit it or not. It's just whether it's a good culture or a bad culture, whether it's a positive culture or a negative culture, and of course, all the continuum in between. So when I think about a good company culture, I'm thinking and I'm I'm working with organizations to get them to the place where I like to say it this way, where people have the opportunity and joy of contributing to the organization. So the reason I say it that way is because when we have the opportunity as employees, as workers, when we have that opportunity to, to contribute something positive to the greater good, 
that gets us going. That motivates us. We realize that we're part of a team. We realize that we need to uh, put our boots on and go to work. We realize that we need to have the, the hard conversations. And so when we create that uh, environment where people can really engage with the with the company and with the co- and and with the overall goals of the company, then you're creating that opportunity. And I think from that comes joy, comes satisfaction, comes purpose. And when we're all doing that together, contributing to an organization, that's when the organization really starts to thrive, right? When you think about organizations that you know that are doing really well, when you think about organizations you know where people are happy, those things are, I guarantee, 99% of the time going hand in hand. So create a place where people can really fit into the organization and equip them and give them the space where they can contribute to the organization. And then you're going to have happy people, and then productivity is going to go up, and you're going to have happy ownership, and of course, more happy people, depending on how uh, sort of uh, compensation is uh, developed from there. So I think that's at the heart of a great company culture. You want to create that opportunity where people can really engage, and so they can really live into it. So I'm assuming, so you define sort of what it is and what is a good one. What does a bad one look like? Unless you say everything that that's not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can give you some, I can give you some examples, right? Because I, and I think we can all think of examples. We can think of examples of like, to me, we, most of us like to go out to eat occasionally, right? And sometimes you walk, I I call this kind of the restaurant test. So you walk in and you approach that host counter, right? Or kiosk. And almost right away, you can tell in a restaurant, if it's a good culture or or if it's a bad culture. Sure, there's going to be one-offs when they're over busy and maybe somebody's a little short with somebody else. But right away, you can tell what's the vibe in here, right? What's going on in here? How how are people responding? Are people, as they greet me, do they seem happy to be there? Uh, Is it bustling? Is 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 it a busy place? Are other people happy to be there? Are the customers happy to be there? I'll tell you what, you see the same thing in other business places you go into. I once walked into a dentist office and uh, I could tell that the environment was sort of toxic in there. And guess what? I didn't want a toxic environment. I didn't want to expose my oral health to a toxic environment, (laughs) if you will, even if it was just personalities. So I walked out, right? I didn't, I didn't want to be part of that. So the things that, that I often look for beyond toxicity, right? In a bad culture, What I'm seeing a lot with folks these days, especially as I work with business leaders, is business leaders, and and it impacts the culture in a negative way, business leaders who are, we'll we'll say it politely, who are overactive, right? Uh, The the impolite way might be to say that they're a little bit of, of a control freak, right? And so a lot of times you see this in solopreneurs who are then expanding their company. Often you see it in small companies that are becoming big companies where you have folks who have been accustomed to having sort of their piece of the puzzle. And then as things start to change, they're unable or unwilling to sort of let go of some of those things so that they can focus where they need to focus. And so what what I hear a lot from, especially again, I'll I'll use small business uh, owners as an example. You hear people say, man, this is my baby. I built this company from scratch. I can't let it go, right? 
And sometimes they're saying that confessionally, I just can't let it go. I don't want to let it go. Other times they're saying, I can't let it go. I know I need to let it go. I know I need to equip and empower other people to do the work so that I can start working on the bigger things, the even more important things. And so that's a big part of company culture. To the extreme negative, what you see in organizations is, is employees who feel like, sort of remember I said before, the happiest places, the best cultures are places where people have the opportunity. Well, when somebody is is sort of hoarding things, is controlling things, they're not offering that opportunity for other people to grow into it. And there could be a number of reasons why they do it. We talk through that in coaching. There could be a number of reasons why they don't want to let that go. But we try to get them to a place where they can let it go. And so it, it's going to look like what, do, you know, what, do, what does training look like? What does passing on responsibility look like? Do, do you know what you're going to do with yourself then, right? When you equip this other person to do it. So a lot of those kinds of things go 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 into that. Another place where I spend a lot of time in in cultures is just when there's uh we'll go back to that word toxic. When there's when there's a toxicity to the place. Sometimes it's maybe a small little thing. We might think about it maybe less so less like toxic and maybe more just like a little infection where. You've got an, an environment where maybe there's a, a difficult personality who's part of the co company culture. Maybe you have an environment where there's tension or uh, open or even unrecognized conflict between two people. So really go in there, work with folks, uncover it, and let's talk about it. Let's figure out what it looks like to engage this conflict. Let's talk about what it looks like uh, then to move past it. And so that's a big part of my background. I have a master's degree in conflict transformation. And so I spend a lot of time, have spent a lot of time in my work history uh, all around the world, actually, and, and in some pretty special and neat places working at conflict uh, engagement, I like to say. Not just conflict resolution, uh, not just conflict avoidance, but how do we engage in conflict so we can really make the most of the opportunity there? Wow, that sounds great. Because when I was doing some, excuse me, when I was doing some research for this interview, I was looking for companies that had had the reputation for great company culture, and what mm -hmm. kept coming up was this company provided this benefit. They provided daycare for their kids, or they provided mm -hmm. so much time away to go work in all of that. What I'm hearing from you is more employee involvement in the day to day operations and how to make the organization better. Is that Am I hearing that right? Yeah, and and I would, you know, it's it's not mutually exclusive. I think it's a both and. Um, the best companies, though, when it comes to, I've I've seen companies and I've worked with companies where they've rolled out something that they think is just a fantastic benefit to folks, and it's met with sort of a collective oh yawn, you know, because people didn't really feel that that was that valuable, and it was really what scratched their itch. So. You can't just throw benefits at folks. You really have to know where people are coming from. You got to know what's ailing them. You got to know sort of what will be the best for them. So if you can create an environment where people have a say, if you can create an environment where there's open lines of communication, then you start to get to the place. So if you've got open lines of communication, yeah, sure, you can figure out what the best benefits to roll out to your people might be. It might be a flexible work schedule. It might be a retirement plan. You talk about all those kinds of things, but when you start to open lines of communication where people can really talk, then you're not only providing the best benefits, but then you're also starting to talk about how you're improving the company day in, day out, right? The best bosses we've ever had, no matter, all of us started somewhere, right? Probably low on the ladder. 
we started low on the ladder and the best bosses that we had were the ones who showed some sort of genuine interest, not only in us, but in our work and what we were doing. That creates great company culture. And you don't have to be a super charismatic sort of leader. You don't have to be a people person even. All you got to do is create space. You got to have the discipline to create spaces where you can have open dialogue with folks, right? I've, I've worked with some companies that, that have been very sort of blue collar, right? Where people, people aren't there because they have a high degree of soft skills or communication skills. But nevertheless, communication is really important. So you create the opportunities for dialogue. You create the opportunities where people can give feedback. And again, what we're talking about is creating an opportunity, right? We're creating an opportunity where people can share their thoughts on the business. And what it does is then it starts to improve your, your operations. It starts to improve your management. It starts to improve people's morale. All those good things that happen that come along with uh, good communication. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. We got we to gotta figure out more ways to create good company culture other than just all the fringe benefits that might come along. Because I can have, we all, we all maybe have been part of organizations or have certainly seen it from people where somebody, so you say, you're getting paid what? And you're moving on, right? We saw that during COVID a lot. People were well paid for something, but they were moving on because it was simply not satisfying them. We That's part of our human urge. We want to contribute. And so- I've got a number of thoughts going through that. I'm reminded of <clears throat> one of the things that we I learned in sales training was find the pain point. So before we mm -hmm. come up with a solution, find mm -hmm. the pain point. And I'm I'm hearing that, you know, with what you're saying, management needs to do with the workforces, find out really what they consider their benefits or what pain they're having and what management can do to alleviate that. Yep. And 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 I would add not just their pain points, but you'll, you're also going to start learning what makes them happy in their work. You're going to start learning what is is satisfying about what they do, right? When you have these conversations, and so it can be it can be just hey, I'm going to have quarterly conversations with everybody, and you know, depending on the size of the organization, depending on your structure, if if a leader just takes quarterly conversations, say hey, I'm going to talk to you, then what starts to happen is. Oh, yeah, we're starting to create a mutual accountability system, too. Right. So it's not just me probing for how I can make your world better. That's certainly a big part of it. But it's also figuring out how we can then have open conversation when things aren't going well in the organization. We can start developing trust for when, hey, maybe I let you down as a leader or, hey, maybe you let me down as an employee. Well, now this is just part of what we do. It's part of how we talk. So rather than feeling like you're getting called into the principal's office, right, which is which is often if you have a if you have a very low communication environment and then it's time to talk to the boss or the owner, that's a setup. You're setting yourself up for a, a harder conversation than it needs to be. Sure, it may be a hard conversation you need to have, but you're setting it up to be harder than it needs to be because you just haven't been in the practice of doing it. That makes sense? It does. Now, how yeah. does, you talked about the open communication. How does a manager at any level create that trust so that they're, will, they're open to hear the hmm. constructive criticism or the complaint or hopefully constructive criticism, but the employee doesn't fear any kind of reprisal. Yeah. So no yeah great question. Mm -hmm. So I, again, we don't need to make this harder than, than it really is. If you have regular conversations with your, with your people 
And if during those regular conversations, you're just asking, you just, you might just have three questions you go off. If it might be something like, Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Like, how do you like working here? How, how's work going? Just a very open-ended question, right? So I'm not implying that work is going great. I'm not implying that work is going bad. I'm just saying, I'm just asking you a question. How's it going? And so when I do that, I'm creating just a really wide runway for you to land the plane wherever you want. I'm also showing that I care, right? It's not, it's not, hey, Paul, you didn't meet the quarterly numbers, right? It's not, hey, we 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 need to do better on that. It's, hey, how are things going here for you? What does it look like, right? And then I want to ask a question about what I can do as the owner or as a leader. So if I'm, I want to ask a question like, is there anything that's getting in the way of you doing your job the best you can do it? Right. Again, a very open-ended sort of question. These might lead down different roads, which you want to pursue, which is great. That's what you're hoping for. So if I start off by saying, how's it going? And show that and give you that opportunity, show that I'm really interested, right? In you and how you're doing here, that you like it here. If I'm then asking, if there's anything getting in the way, which implies that I'm willing to work on those barriers that are getting in your way. And then I'm going to say, what can I do to make your life better? Right? So if I'm doing these kinds of things, if I'm asking these kinds of questions, then at the end of that, if I need to say, hey, okay, now, Paul, thank you for sharing that. Now, there's something I'd like to share with you. And it might be, hey, I, I need you to work harder on this part of your job, or I need you to lend more attention to this. Uh, and and I, I would always, I preach curiosity. I preach a lot of curiosity. So it might be, it might be like, hey, I noticed you didn't make the quarterly numbers. Uh, you want to tell me more about that? What's going on there? Because you might discover that there's legitimately something going on. You might discover there's been an important shift, uh, maybe in the marketplace. So there's lots of things you can learn rather than just kind of coming in and cracking the whip. So if you start out with those, they're all very curious questions. How's it going? Is there anything getting in the way of your work here? And what can I do to make your life easier? You are going to you're going to have employees who love to work there and love to work for you. And it's going to it's going to be awesome. That's great. I'm seeing so much parallel with you know the sales and just networking. It's about taking hmm. Uh, to paraphrase what I'm hearing is it's taking an in, a genuine interest in the other person or in the other people on your team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and who do we like? Right? We, <laughs> rocket science, right? We like people who like us. And so we're creating a really, we're creating a relationship and we're creating a place where we can do this. And what we're doing too, is this is this, this may come across as very soft to some, but actually what we're doing is we're creating an environment where we're learning more about what's going on in people's lives and in their workplace every single day, because we're not looking over their shoulder. We shouldn't be. We're not looking over their shoulder every single moment of the day. So we don't know what their challenges are. If we can free our people up to accomplish as much as they can, that's great for our organization. Profit, not for profit, whatever. That's great for our organization. What I like about this is you don't have to be a Fortune 500 company to do this. The mom and pop bodega on the corner, I mean, there's no money in spent, I mean, no serious money spent in sitting down with somebody going to a, a neutral cafe or a neutral coffee shop and just saying, hey, how are you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In fact, it, it's it's easier 
in some ways in a mom and pop. You know, we I think we we don't we don't a mom and pop doesn't have the money to hire a VP of corporate culture or a VP of culture, but they created every single time they walk in, they create culture every single time they have a conversation with one of their employees. And so when you set aside these set apart times, these intentional times, when you have the discipline to do that, then you start to create these, again, these relationships, you start to learn more about what people are doing and you have, you develop a great culture. It's, it's pretty, it's, I know that I'm making it sound easier than maybe it feels like it will be, but if you have the discipline to do it, it works really, really well. That is great. And certainly words to live by. Hey, Greg, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. How do people find you? How do they get hold of you and connect with you? Yeah, thank you. Uh, the best way to reach out to me is to first go to my website, which is uh, www.gdlinsight.com. So that's gdlinsight.com. And there you can fill out um, a, a request for contact, or you can just reach straight out to me at gdl at gdlinsight.com. So Greg Davidson Lazakovitz at gdlinsight.com. Reach out to me there. I would love to hear from any and all. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you.